some hours about one o'clock in the morning. Thought I'd uh, do a podcast um, recording this and then I'll upload it. So as always, there's a lot of uh, news to, going on. Um, there's always the the stories that are meant to distract and then the stories that we should be focused on, like you know the border, the invasion, in terms of the amount of people that are coming across. Uh, stories where you know Venezuelans are um, charged with murder of a 22-year-old in Georgia, uh, a woman out jogging. Of course, the Associated Press decided to turn the title or the article, um, what would you say, the headline into something about jogging instead of focusing on the person who committed the crime against an innocent person. Because they were, you know, uh, they even, they said in Athens, it was located in Athens, or Athens residence, instead of saying uh, he was a guy who had come from uh, New York City and he committed, uh, was uh, actually charged with a, a crime involving a minor, and then came south and committed a felony murder, at least as far as we know at this point. Or what they call it, they, they charge them with a whole boatload of crimes, but murder is one of them. Um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he should, you know, should be eligible for the death penalty. In particular, because he is uh, uh, illegal entry, non-citizen. Um, I am of the mindset that a non-citizen does not hold the same rights as citizens of the United States. There's a reason for having citizens and having a citizenship and those rights should be upheld at a higher standard. Not saying that it should have any human rights, but that is a whole other different conversation. There's a civil liberties issue. There's a uh, ability for a person to feel safe in their own person and not be attacked by somebody who, who is, no, is not a citizen of the United States who comes here invades our border intentionally based upon uh, the uh, administration of Washington, D.C.'s arrogance and, and uh, basically criminal behavior. But, you know, you can't explain that to some people. But I guess if it happens enough times where somebody dies, that, you know, eventually that 22-year-old girl is going to be the granddaughter of a powerful senator or a uh, somebody who's connected to the agencies, maybe that'll maybe that'll wake them up to the reality of, uh, you know, be careful what you uh, allow to happen. You just might, you know, have to reap the reap what you sow in terms of uh, things that happen. I'm not suggesting that that should be the the way to solve the problem, but it certainly, um, if we go back to a, a, a I'll flash back to a movie uh, that was a big hit or a uh, big eye-opener um, and the band played on was the name of the movie and there was a scene in it where they're sitting around a table and they're talking about blood supply and having an adequate test to keep um, HIV uh, contaminated blood off the market and hemophiliacs are suffering the consequences of this at least this is you know remember this is a drama this isn't you know documentary um, but the idea was there was a good line in it. It says, how many hemophiliacs have to die before you start to pay attention? That's what uh, Matthew Modine had, uh, brought. You know, he got really upset with, you know, them dickering around. And people, uh, all these medical professionals of different silos sitting around a table bitching and moaning and uh, being protective of their own territory. Because that's what it boils down to. We have a lot of pissing contests in the world. And this is why people don't believe uh, there's a, you know, a bigger conspiracy. No, no. Uh, it's been well established by certain groups to say that these people, the, the higher order elites or psychopaths, depending upon how you want to look at them, uh, I call them pinhead psychopaths, are pretty much on the same page. Are they going to battle with each other? Sure. You know, like anything else, they battle each other about how many zeros are after their uh, stash. But what I'm getting at is, is the... The whole idea of you have territorial and siloed people who will be hyper protective because there's budgets involved and they'll say that they have to you know, protect their territory 
But until something happens that's bad enough to where they have to reassess their positioning, uh, they won't budge. And uh, I guess maybe it has to be so personal for somebody to actually figure out that, uh, yeah, you just fucked around and found out, pardon my French here, uh, uh, what happens when you uh, allow absolute abominable policies to take place and expect people to just accept them without any uh, uh, consequences. It's easier. It's it's always easy to say, well, that's just for the little people. It happened to them. Too bad, you know. But if it happens to somebody special, somebody you love, you might think think twice about that. You might just uh, you might have to just wake up a bit, and you might, uh, of course, knowing the knowing the malevolence of some of the people that are in our government, they might just go ahead and just ignore it, and they'll, they'll say, well, I had to suffer in silence because nobody would have any pity for me. Well, that's because you're such an evil asshole. That's why you're, you won't even admit that, uh, you know, <laughs> you probably caused most of the problems yourself. This may have happened, of course, to somebody like Mitch McConnell, whose uh, wife, uh, her sister-in-law or her sister and his sister-in-law uh, had a freak uh, accident happen down in Texas where she drowned uh, backing up her Tesla, it looks like, or something along that lines. Um, and they haven't investigated it too deeply. And it just so happens that she was connected to two powerful uh, Chinese bank and another in a shipping company, two chi powerful Chinese companies. And her husband is involved with a major, he's a billionaire and he has a, you know, capital organization. I forget it was IDG. I think it is IDG capital. And they uh, got listed on the, enlisted on the U S government's, uh, uh, Chinese companies list so uh, there's some restrictions put on them and of course this might have been a message to Elaine, uh, Elaine Chow's uh, um, you know uh, man uh, McConnell to uh, you know, go along with the program but you know that's what happens when you uh, mess around with the wrong people and don't seem to have a concept of uh, you know honor and dignity and uh, that may may have happened that way. I'm just suggesting it. I don't know for certain, but it seems kind of suspicious. It happened on their uh, ranch, their own they own ranch in Texas, and just seems quite interesting that a grown woman of 50 years old would uh, have such a problem with a Tesla and back it up into a lake and drowned. But you know, maybe I'm just uh, maybe I'm just being wrong about that. But you know, we'll never know. We'll never be told the truth, and uh, it's very suspicious. That's all we can say at this point. And of course, the cops won't do anything to un, un uh, enlighten us to the what really, really went on there. That isn't the only death that's happened suspiciously. Remember, John McAfee happened back in, I think, 2020 or 2021. Uh, there was a guy named Ted Halstead that I haven't. Uh, spent too much time on, but the reason why his name should be important, okay, he was a World Economic Forum member. Uh, he was a, a, a he was the uh, head or the titled head of a thing called the Climate Council. Now, this Climate Council uh, involves uh, some of the most powerful people that you know, and you know their names right away, and it was very interesting. This was put together in 2016, and it still exists. Uh, they, uh, so for example, Ted was the head of the organization. He managed to get, he secured the, the blessings of George Schultz and um, um, what's his face, James Baker the third. They're both uh, secretaries of state in the 80s and 90s. I think it was 80s. Both of them were Reagan and Bush's uh, secretary of state. And uh, had Ben Bernanke, uh, Janet Yellen, Klaus Schwab. Uh, and major corporations, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, the Atlantic Council, had all these various actors. Plus, they had uh, at least two uh, women in particular that were involved with uh, the WTO, the trade organization, in 2001. They were part and parcel to the deal that they cut with China, or cut for China, to allow them into the World Trade Organization. So they were actually part and parcel to wrecking the U.S. economy due to trade policies that we uh, basically signed off on, and then China went to town from there on out due to these uh, negligent women. One of them works at George, that was from Georgetown. Her name's uh, 
uh, Jennifer Barfield. I'd have to go look up her name um, right off the top of my head. I, I don't know what I know what she kind of looks like. And the only reason why it's important is uh, so they're still in, involved. They're involved with the Biden administration. Uh, they uh, did presentations recently. Uh, they have a lot. It's just a board. It's just it's just a cutout. But they may have some influence over these policies that involve the climate hustle and and obviously they're getting grifted in paybacks and whatnot. All these uh, NGOs and foundations and think tanks are just money hustles for people who were in the government. You know, may have had a position got out of the government, went to Wall Street, go to the think tanks, go to the universities, yada, yada, yada. They have to be involved in multiple things to make enough money. So if you say, for example, you get a, a you know, you got a, um, a salary at a university for, say, $150,000, and then you got to work on a think tank and you get a $80,000 a year uh, stipend there, and then you do uh, another board or foundation where you're actually a, a top member and they get a lot of donations or they get government grants and you get another 250000 there. You know, pretty good lifestyle. If you get enough of those things going together, everybody will call it, well, that's just good capitalism. No, it isn't. They're not doing, they're not producing anything. They produce think tank papers and uh, they go around to Davos and all these other shindigs and they press the flesh and uh, they probably get some kind of cutout for uh, what private industry, but they're not. I mean, people say, well, they're assisting for their expertise. Uh, usually they're playing off their government connections and know how to smooth the wheels of uh, what they call public-private partnerships. So, but yeah, these people run what's called the blob. That's the new moniker uh, that's going around. I'll call it the worldwide blob. That's my moniker for it because it involves all these different agencies and think tanks and private entities like Google that are CIA backstopped and DARPA created and so on and so forth. Um, some of these are very obvious if you start digging into the rabbit hole and how they're interconnected and the people they hire in the private sector to hire people from uh, the government to come in, especially the Intel community. And they monitor and they uh, take your information and they pass along to the right authorities. They're spying on you. That's what they're using it for. Because the NSA, you know, there's a guy, uh, um, William, I think, McKinney or whatever. Uh, he uh, knew they were doing this back, you know, 20-some-odd years ago. And he tried to raise the alarm and nothing ever got done with it. Even though he was one of the top members of the NSA at the time. Got, got pushed through the Patriot Act. They start spying on you. They start collecting data on you, and it's only gotten worse and worse since then. I mean, what they were collecting then compared to what they collect now is just probably not even in the same, <laughs> not even in the same ballpark. I mean, you're talking probably 10,000 times as much data as what they were collecting in 2001. And according to his own his own mouth, he was talking terabytes upon terabytes of information they were collecting back in. 2001. Now they're, I don't even know what it would be called, exactabytes, I think it is exabytes um, of information on people daily. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, gathering data, just a segue here, just back to uh, Georgia in particular. You know, Fannie uh, Willis, uh, someone uh, used the techniques of law enforcement, which it shouldn't be too difficult, and they wasn't. They, you know, got the lugs or whatever off AT&T and AT&T sent over a nice little file on Nathan Wade and when he started having his conversations with the DA and it was far earlier than what uh, she and uh, he, he she and he reported in terms of their testimony and the amount of frequency the call so I guess he visited her 34 times mainly in the middle of the night uh, for three or four hours at a crack you know, get there at about 11.30, leave about 4 o'clock in the morning, and had, you know, 2,000 or so phone calls. I had tons of phone calls, like six times a day. It has like 2,000 phone calls, like 12,000 text messages. I mean, that's more than I've done in my entire life. I mean, granted, they may be, they're just different people, but I haven't done that with debts in totality. All the people I've ever been involved with, I probably haven't sent that many 
I definitely haven't sent that many text messages and certainly don't call that many people in my lifetime. I can't even think of that. How I, I mean, I'd be lucky if I talked to, you know, I'd be lucky if I haven't had an average of a phone call per day. I don't think it's even that. It's more like probably like a quarter of a phone call per day. I've probably taken about 50 phone calls a year. Don't talk to, talk to one person a week, so it's very low. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm a different person. Of course, you know, somebody will say, well, that's because they have very important jobs. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, these two people are very important. They're so they're, they're hustlers. Uh, but to the point, they gathered all that data. Now they're going to pretend that that data is uh, irrelevant to the situation. There's people flacking for these morons and saying, oh, you're digging into their personal lives. How dare you? You're intrusive, blah, blah, blah. We don't care about their personal life. What they do on their own free time is their business. It's lying about it. When you represent the state uh, as a DA and you're untruthful about your uh, interactions, I mean, you know, if you're willing to lie about this, which of course you were and are, what else are you going to lie about? You're going to lie about anything. If if the measure of the law anymore is just that people think that they can just get away with it because as long as no one looks into it, nobody, you know, no, nobody's none the wiser, then what are we dealing with here? You know, that's just, we're not dealing with law. We're not dealing with any, any kind of justice system. <laughs> we're dealing with people that are just, uh, you know, beyond, the, uh, beyond the pale in terms of lack of moral character. You know, look, if you've done something and if it's going to piss something off or you're going to get punished for it, like in Wade's case, because he has an open divorce or whatever it is, you know, tough. That's the way it is. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Take your hits. Take your licks. See, if they were truthful about it and they were truthful, of course they know that they're caught and they were doing things that weren't, you know, kosher. And, of course, nobody's going to snitch on themselves. But, you know, hey, she put herself in the position I mean, no one, no one told her to uh, take this case to the max, but she had no problem trying to run up Trump on this stuff uh, <laughs> over bullshit, by the way. I know a lot of left, lefty people will say otherwise, but look, if you think that that election was on the up and up, you're, you're deluded because it wasn't. It wasn't on the up and up uh, between the ballot uh, boxes, between the lack of, uh, of uh, chain of custody, between the lack of all kinds of things just things the thing is is unless you're like intimately involved with this entire case on a daily basis and there have been some people i think his name is uh uh i can't remember his name uh gaver um i uh i forget his name favorito i think is his name so he involved himself in the case and it created uh, brought a, a suit but the thing is, is if you have people that are involved in this case in terms of the judges and the prosecutors or, or let's just say state representatives that are always, uh, what would you say, picked or selected to, to, to set in the way to block the situation or to make sure the case won't go forward or to disallow anybody to present any evidence uh, because they say, oh, you know, we can't verify that or whatever. They won't let anybody put on a case. That's been one of the biggest problems with this all, all this 2020 stuff that's still being discussed technically is that uh, these judges don't want to put on the cases. So for all the people who sit there and say, oh, all these cases you lost in court all the time. No, they didn't. They lost they 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 lost on grounds that have nothing to do with the actual merit or facts of the case. They lost on standing they lost on you know whether it was a ripe ripeness situation ripeness which means is the case uh available to be you know uh argued based upon is there a legitimate complaint can it be done at the is it done at the right time they call it latches or whatever i think is the case and i'm not a legal scholar and i'm not a lawyer and i'm not going to pretend to be but most people understand that a lot of this stuff was procedural had nothing to do actually getting into the nitty gritty because nobody wants to really open up that Pandora's box. There's a lot of elected officials that would have to stand before the man and have to renounce their, or have to, uh, well, not renounce, but resign their position or be removed, removed from their position or things would have to be redone because 
the election was phony or fake, or it was discovered that there was 150,000 fake ballots, or a county completely didn't have any chain of custody, the audit was crap, the ballots were miscounted, blah, 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 everything. I'm not impugning everyone's character, but there were places around the country who had significant issues and you couldn't get into them. It's called, you know, it's called election fraud. <laughs> That's what it's called. And it's not just one or two people. It's a whole concept because people got it in their little brain that they thought, I'm doing the greater good by stopping Trump or whatever. Trump is not an issue, by the way. Really, he isn't. For those who ever have thought that, and by that I mean, look, if you take his policies and you roll it back 20 years, nothing he had on the board was particularly extreme, by the way. So many people, the media has gaslit people and propagandized and destroyed this country and the world, by the way. The media is the enemy of humanity right now. They are a super problem. With the way they are positioning this stuff, with um, and they're tied to the intelligence community um, through the CIA, the FBI, etc., etc., social media, they're doing all this massive manipulation of human beings. They're manipulating their 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 entire reality. It's pure pure gaslighting. It's one of the most evil things that I could ever could have ever imagined happening, where you have people who will. Like Taylor, like Taylor Lorenz. So she's sitting there having a conversation with this Chaya Ratchik chick, uh, lives at TikTok. I don't know much about either one. I don't follow them that. I mean, I've seen their posts. I've seen lives at TikTok. I think she does a, a good job with uh, exposure of the whole trans and crazy library and TikTok. I mean, I followed it, and you know, I I think uh, she's doing an okay job with that. You know, I'm not giving her five stars, but I'm not saying she's doing a bad job at all. You know, to that point, then you got on the other hand, you got this Taylor Lorenz chick who's just a evil little troll who's worked at multiple, you know, establishment, you know, I think New York Times, Washington Post, or whatever. She just it comes off as a total snob. And she thinks that she's a total lefty shill propagandist and they're having like a conversation. I don't even know why she, uh, the libs of TikTok gave her the time of day, but whatever. She's wearing a little muzzle mask, makes herself trying to make herself superior to everybody in 2024, no less. And they're sitting down there talking about this. <laughs> and I mean, I'm just going through a, a news uh, articles, stuff like that. But it goes to the point of okay, it, she throws up the whole you have to be an expert thing. I'm thinking, and she's like, I don't think we, we should make any judgment. We should let the experts decide. No. That has become the biggest, this is this is what the problem with the entire blob is, expertise, institutions. Our institutions are fraudulent now because they have been swamped by ideology and extremism on the left, not the right. I wish people would get that straight because they don't understand it, obviously. We've been taken over by people who are just hardcore socialist, globalist. It's always been a global regime thing that they're after. One control, one centralized unit. When you get centralized power, it just, yeah, we know it's just, it's absolutely abominable. So, but she's promoting, when you're going back to uh, Taylor Lorenz, She's like, oh, you know, we should follow what the sex uh, educator, you know, the sex educators tell us what is right or wrong. These people are nutters. If we go back through the history of all these people who are involved in psychology and sexual, you know, and Kinsey or whatever, there's a whole bunch of them. They're all sickos. They have no, uh, they do bad studies. They've created horrible, horrible, horrible um results with people they've destroyed people's lives as a matter of fact uh, they push all this free sex and uh you know just abominable practice i feel sorry for people there are some people out here that bought into this at such an early age and have been between propagandized or 
or made to question their own identity because of psychology because of people who have put receded very uh, very bad ideas and, and believe me there, there are parents that have done these things too don't get me wrong um, I'm, I'm well enough aware of bad parenting <laughs> believe me personally without a shadow of a doubt and I'm not talking about my mother my mother was a great parent I'm talking about my dad who was a horrible horrible human being whatever I leave that aside it's it is what it is I've dealt with it the way I can deal with deal with it but so I know both stories I mean you know no parent is perfect and no but sure as hell no expert is perfect because they're getting paid to keep they have to keep a problem around most of them are not in the business of solving any problem most of them want to be busybodies and they want to project their own ideology into whatever vessel that they can get their hands on and the earlier they can do it and the more often and frequently they can project that uh, ideology into that vessel the more power to them and that's what's turned that's what's that's what school has turned into between the administrators and the educators they've done the same thing that uh the um, psychologist out there the child psychologist and of course this is all being driven by a breakdown of family values and I by family values I mean an actual unit family that's what I mean by values the value of a man and a woman and a child or children working together and I'm sorry for the you know I feel sorry for the lesbians and the gays okay you know or the homosexuals you know the males uh, yeah it sucks to be you you chose your lifestyle that doesn't mean you get you know you know get extra special treatment you're not special just because of that <laughs> if you think you're special I can tell you there's a lot of other people out here that are actually more unique than you are and they don't push their particular agenda onto other people you know you may think they do but that's because you're projecting your own stupidity onto other people not everybody is out to do the things you want to do I'm not saying it doesn't occur I'm just saying I don't see the flavor that you're trying to push onto other people but of course they've been they've been coddled and molly coddled and given all these access and everything is and the government has been about trying to to actually not equalize people to where everybody can be free to do what they need to do it's it's been about pitting each other against pitting groups against each other to fight over the same pie all the time you know that's what socialism is causing people to have a hitherto unbelievable misery between each other because from certain people's point of view if everybody else is miserable but I'm happy then that's a good thing and that's the way the uh, the socialist mindset or the uh, globalist mindset works is to keep people in that divisive uh, thinking arena in terms of if I can keep people fighting amongst themselves the divide and rule then I can be above them all-powerful in the institutions telling that my expertise will solve the problem when my expertise never does and that's what these people have done whether they be psychologists or bureaucrats or what have you and this of course is uh, a shame because you know for a long time you know I, I thought people had their their hearts in the best place but you know that was when I was younger and probably more uh, conducive to the, the the attempts of uh, even my own media to tell me that that was the way it was supposed to be we've always been propagandized to by the way just subtle it used to be a lot more uh, in a subtle form now it's just so overt it's over the top and it's just unbelievable uh, you get gals on TV who are, uh, another story that was big and other people have picked it up this uh, gal Prisbilla, uh, Heidi Prisbilla talking about Christian nationalism and the idea of uh, you know what is uh, you know what's you know what it's all about and how important it is to dissect this because she wants to divide Christianity she wants to divide people into different sects because that helps the media the media wants conflict that's what they are they are they have been trained now your media mainstream media all these channels have been trained in a militarized propaganda organization they're actually being controlled by intelligence and 
and I would say even up to the DOD. Uh, definitely intelligence, because look at how many of them have uh, uh, intelligence operatives have wound up on mainstream media or working, and they get platformed, and they come on, and they talk about everything that they know and discuss, and they, you know, put out this messaging, and they, you know, make proclamations with very little evidence. They don't produce any evidence. They're just producing their opinion, and you're supposed to listen to them because, of course, they used to work in the intel community. Let me say this. I'm not saying all intel community people are liars. I'm just saying that they're very good at telling you what they want you to know and, and very good at hiding what you, they know. If you knew did know, you'd be very pissed about whether it involves international um, dealings, what our foreign policy is actually about. This is the reason why we're in the United States being looked, you know, we have a lot of enemies. We've made these enemies over a course of time due to the fact that we have all these uh, pinheads in Washington, D.C., in the State Department, and all our ambassadors and everything. They've made all kinds of promises, and they've gone overseas, and have used influence campaigns to, uh, you know, to get involved in the politics of the particular area, uh, made promises, funding, buying off leaders, uh, corruptibility. That's it. Buying off the local media. You got Soros now, who's just bought some uh, radio stations. You know, radio is dying, but uh, in certain parts of the world, radio is still pretty hot. So he's buying up land. So you get to see all this. And you have Bloomberg, who's in, in media. You got Gates, who's influenced all the national public radio. You got all these billionaires who got their, you know, and then you got uh, Jeff Bezos, Washington Post. And all these major players owning these pieces of the puzzle, and they control the outlets. They control AP. They control uh, Reuters. They control all these different uh, outlets to uh, to disseminate the message that they want to be disseminated. But now, not only are they in control, because the billionaires work with the intelligence community, and we do know they work with the intelligence community, because, for example, like Google, for example, it's pretty renowned that they employ all these operatives. So it's all very high level, and they're on the same page. They meet up at the places like Davos and they decide what their next agenda points are. Davos has put out white papers that are all about talking about Google and Twitter and Facebook and how important it is to disseminate the message in a certain way. You know, and that's why they that's why all you hear about now is disinformation, malinformation, misinformation uh, in order to control everybody. They want, to, and they want to make it so that anything that comes from anybody other than the approved messaging platforms and people that they have put in place, that those are the only experts that you're allowed to listen to. You can't have an opinion because you either don't have the, uh, you don't have the titling. And even if you do, say, for example, they're talking about a medical issue. They don't even, they don't even have an MD, but they talk about something. And they say, well, they're an expert in the information that they're presenting but there's a doctor out there who knows a hundred times more than this person in terms of actual that field and questions the validity of what they say well they'll come down on that doctor and say you better get with the program or uh, we'll pull your license we'll go to the AMA we'll say look if you want to continue to have the funding you have from the government or if you want to continue to operate without our scrutiny you get rid of that guy, and they'll do that. They'll snap their fingers, and that guy will be gone. He could be the top of his uh, field. And I know there's examples out there I could go into. I guess I haven't kept up with McCullough or some of the other people that had their license threatened, but uh, um, think of it, think of that way she will. And they've created their own uh, uh, secondary companies, which is good. If they're doing something legitimate, of course, there's people out there that no sooner you create something secondary or another company, they think you're in it for a hustle or whatever. I don't know if that's true. If they're, you know, until you get into the, uh, the problem is, is if you make it public or try to go IPO, then you're going to be under massive scrutiny and massive regulation because then everybody will know everything about what you're doing. If you go private, then of course people think you're hiding something. So it's kind of a no-win situation. You have to 
judge them by their fruits or judge them by the results, what results they're willing to, you know, show you, obviously. So, you know, I don't, you know, if you question somebody's positioning on whatever, whether it be medical or what have you, go ahead. That's what you should do. You should do the best available research that you can do. Go to trustable, uh, tr trusted resources. Actually, one of the best things to do is go back about, I don't know, 15, 20 years or older uh, to a degree uh, on certain things and look at the advice then about natural uh, remedies and whatnot. That's just my non-medical training advice. I think some of the older sources would probably be less convol convoluted and less poisoned by, for example, Gates didn't really get into the medical apparatus until about, uh, well, roughly around 2000. So anything I would say in the 90s, you could probably, uh, it would be fair game. And of course, lots of things have been uh, worked on and discussed since then. And of course, you could you can take that for what it is. But I would suggest that maybe there are some people that were, especially in the natural um, um, uh, areas where they're not dealing with the Rockefeller medicine behemoth, where you could probably uh, get some good information and, and that would be still good for you. Um, there's some, I'm only going down this level to this level on this stuff is because that's one of the bigger vectors of them trying to control us is medical, the media, they're trying to control us to the media. And they obviously are trying to control land, so property and ownership and, uh, you know, uh, controlling basically your state uh, governors uh, in particular, you know, politics, obviously lawyers, judges. So you can think of the law. All these are different silos that they're trying to control people through um, to a local level. The blob does. That's the reason why it was so important for them to get all of Washington, D.C., which they pretty much have in their grasp, including the military. There was a hor horrific uh, video example of somebody who, I, you know, I, I don't even want to go into because I don't know if it's even, if someone did set themselves on fire, this, uh, this, uh, military personnel I've seen the video and it's it's heartbreaking and you know if someone is that um, at that level of of willing to do that you know we have some we have some major mental crisis going on in this country and believe me this is showing up on the international radar um, this country disintegrating itself um, like I said, no thanks to the media and, and then the, the reprehensible, reprehensible uh, actions and lack of action and lack of good uh, faith amongst prior presidencies, what their messaging has been. The, they're all on the same page. Their former minions are all running around causing havoc demonizing half the country at least or more now with all the hatred of MAGA and, and then look it is a movement that's right you're being if you're a member or believe that you want this country to succeed and you want to have a great country and by the way that has never been a big problem by the we had this we had it in 2000 we had it in 1984 I can remember the, the reason why I use those as examples so for example you know, nobody was sitting here in 1984 when we had the Olympic Games in Los Angeles was against us trying to be the best, you know, in sports and best in athletics and best in competition. There was nothing wrong with being a pride, having pride in your country and having patriotism and actually respect. I know there's always been the hateful people who are socialists who hate this country and wanted to destroy it and have always wanted to destroy it and they've probably gotten their way there was one thing that Yuri Vesmanov was always right about we allowed people to get inside these institutions and they're easily uh, you know they were easily found I think what was it he said he says uh, you know they uh, the left, they don't bother with leftists, you know, they're already on the program. He said they aim higher and try to find somebody um, on the right, which they already did. I think that's what happened. Uh, we finally had that bulk word of people who 
used to be quote-unquote so-called conservatives that were targeted and they're now on the program with the rest of the globalist and there was such a massive shift but uh, he was he was uh, he was prophetic in so many ways it's just going back through the uh, to that time frame but ba having patriotism or having having a strong sense of uh, uh, desire for your country to succeed and to have you know have it to be a I don't want to say just totally it's a special club that's what citizenry is you have to know what needs to be done in the country you need to know how to speak the language you should understand the the basic customs of whatever country you're in i mean if i wanted to be a citizen of say you know singapore or whatever i'd have to be adjust my entire life to fit to that to that level and framework and i would expect them to want me to honestly I mean, they're just not going to take anybody. They want to take somebody who will respect what they feel is their cultural norms. I mean, there's a reason why China is a very close society. Japan is a close society. Korea. These places, they, they like business. They like money. <laughs> but they don't really want any Westerners there. They, they'll be glad to trade or work with you, but they don't want you working in their factories. They certainly don't want you staying there for any long duration. They'd like you to visit, but they want you to go away. That's it. They don't want you to start new families. I'm sure there's there's always that family in America or that that uppity uh, liberal who's gone overseas and stayed there for a couple of years and think that they understand everything about what they need to know about that culture. Uh, they don't know that they were just being catered to because maybe they had access to information or uh, they had a uh, <laughs> they were involved in intelligence operations so you know interesting you have to be very careful about who who you listen to and how uh, you know how they frame things in terms of how they're trying to present this uh, grandiose idea or, or you are you being criticized Tucker yeah Moscow looks good but did you go to Saint go to all the other places I don't know if St. Petersburg's even you know the various places around Russia uh, to the smaller towns and whatnot go check them out that's don't get don't get led around by the nose would have been my uh, uh, pro tip to him not saying Moscow is Moscow is not indicative of everything in Russia it wasn't I mean remember uh, that was the whole point of bringing people over in the past was to bring people over give them a guided tour if you've ever been in business or operations, and I can, I'll, tell, I'll tell you from my experience, and I'll probably wrap up here. So we would always have visitors to a plant, and within 48 hours or you know the 36 hours before some major visitor was coming in, we had to clean up the place, straighten up work cells, tell employees to you know look sharp, wear the right clothes, do all this other shit. It was a dog and pony show. We put on a performance. We'd give them the best. And we wanted to put on the best best look for the, the the prospects of the plant because this person would have to go back and report to headquarters. So we're just catering to them, make it seem like this is the way this place always runs or operates. In some places, you know that it, this always happened. Every place I've ever been in. In some places, it wasn't that much of a change of routine. In other words, you know things were pretty pretty well straightened out. Other places, it was a shit show. You know, we'd hide uh, parts or uh, someone say, hey, get that whole, get that, you know, see all that junky area, clean it all out and take it outside or put it in the back, put it in the back lot. We'd, we'd hide the problem. We just move the problem from one place to another. And so we, I mean, I was part and parcel to some of those little, little side projects. That's what it, it happens everywhere. It happens in government, happens in private business, happens everywhere on this earth. Uh, whenever some big you know big name person comes along everybody wants to hide their problems um, instead of facing their problems they don't because you know obviously there's an embarrassment level if you're a plant manager or whatever you're whoever's the top person involved in the the situation uh, locally they don't want to be you know seen as messing up they want to put on their best face even if it's bullshit so this is what goes on and, and this is uh, you know, um, 
a waste of time too, by the way, waste of resources. And, uh, you know, if you don't want to run a good place, <laughs> that should be in a daily experience. The same way with government, everything should be run, you know, to the best of your ability. But these people aren't trying to do that. They're trying to destroy our country. And so they don't have any pride in our country. They hate our country. All they want to do is exploit it for the last bit of resources that it has and then kick everybody. You know, they don't care. They don't care how many people they bring into this country. It ain't going to bother them. They'll still have their paycheck because they're getting their money off your taxes, which is why I've mentioned, you know, <laughs> you might want to get go. We might want to go as far as uh, doing what our founders did. They decided they didn't want to pay taxes anymore. Um, you know, no taxation, taxation without representation. I mean, what are we being represented by? We're not being represented by our congressmen or our senators or our president or his, you know, there were the agencies that were taking over and taking total control of your entire country. They operate on, they operate on a scale unimaginable. I mean, to put it in perspective, and this is historically accurate, we have 10 times as many federal agencies as the Germans did in 1938, you know, 39 or whatever. They had about 40 agencies then. So we have 10 times as many going on 11 times. So think about that. That was one of the most authoritarian um, centralized systems at that time in the world. And we have 10 times as amount of agencies that they did. Just put that in perspective. That was considered oppressive then. So can you can only imagine we have as many, uh, I guess, evidently we have as many administrators or if not more administrators than the Chinese do. Put that in, put that into your mind frame correctness. We have an oversupply of people who do nothing except destructive behavior and push ideology. Um, and I'll leave it right after this. I met a, there was a gal that I met in uh, in our Discord, and at one point she said everything had changed with the way she works. She works near the government. Uh, she lives out in Maryland. Uh, she's done individual contract work for these different agencies. Um, I don't know much more beyond that about her, but uh, I know what her resume was. And uh, she would talk about these. I mean, she mentioned it in a, in a couple of different chats. She was just saying how they had really changed all the orientation right after the change administration between Trump and, and Biden. They changed the entire process of analyzing everything. I mean, just switched it up completely, threw in all the DEI, all this other garbage, totally irrelevant to the projects they were dealing with. It's all ES and G, DEI and everything in between uh, in terms of you know environmental, social, and governments, governance, and of course, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Just they're just names. They're just they're, they don't mean anything particularly the way they structure it. They just have to. I noticed if you read any executive orders by Biden, that'll tell you everything you need to know. Is all of the executive orders are laden with this propagandistic language where they have to just drop in this constant barrage of social justice, blah, 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 diversity, equity, inclusion, over and over and over again. Every executive order's got that language in there. He didn't write it, by the way, of course. It's just slathered with this evilness. And I say it's evil because the equity part is what they're concentrated on, where they want to bring down people who already have a hard enough time making it. And they think they're going to bring people up. But all they're doing is just shifting they just want to move money around, but it never affects anybody of a certain class, which we know who they are. They're six-digit uh, government workers, and they're just sucking everybody else's money right out of their hands. And if they can't get that, get it from there, they just go to the Federal Reserve and have them print it up. And that's why you're going to run, you know, two trillion dollar deficit next year, and we're going to be above 36 trillion by, you know, 2025. I can guarantee it. We're already 34 and counting. So next year, about this time, we'll probably be uh, approaching 36 to 37 trillion dollars in, in national debt, if not more. Depends upon interest rates. Depends upon a lot of things, but it'll be. It's just astronomical. It's not going anywhere but north, because once you hit a certain pivot point, inflection point, to get it arrested, you have to get rid of all these people that work in the federal government. The only way you can do that is either lay them off 
or you don't pay their salaries. And the only way you can not not pay their salaries is don't pay. if they can't get get the taxes out of you, which is why they want to hire all these IRS agents to destroy us. <laughs> I say destroy us because that's the reason why they kept on. Uh, it's only been recently they've taken out the uh, use of deadly force, but uh, they still hate you. Uh, I mean, if James O'Keefe and some of his uh, investigative uh, reporting uh, regarding an IRS uh, conversation, he said, oh, those people, are they're deluded. They, they don't care. They don't care about you at all. And none of the people in government care about you. They're members of the blob. They enjoy being a member of the blob. They barely even know. And blob stands for, I've created the acronym. Uh, I added some depth to the acronym. It's a behemoth living organization of bureaucracy. That's what it stands for. So I'll call this podcast the blob. I, I think I've ran it long enough. I hope uh, everybody does okay out there. God bless the United States of America. And God save the world.